we have come to this place after Jesus has talked about how people should be living and how people should be treating each other and how people involved in relationships, whenever there's something awry in that relationship, instead of just building fences and putting up your dukes, they should be seeking reconciliation. They should be trying to work things out. You recall he said if you're if you're going to the altar and you're you discover you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go take care of your conflict and then come back to the altar. And he made it clear that how we relate to other people is one of the most important ways that we worship. That and we're going to see later on how important forgiveness is and uh, how it's so important for him that he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Religion, religious activity, gathering together to worship on Sunday morning is wonderful. And our prayers go up like incense before God. He loves our worship if our hearts are right, if our relationships are right. But he says that if our relationships aren't right, when we come before God, he can't even hear our prayers. He says, uh, there's another place where it says in scripture that, uh, if, uh, if a man's not right with his wife, his prayers aren't going to get beyond the ceiling. Our relationships, how we connect to each other is so important. And God's basically saying, you don't really care about me if you don't care about my other children. And so, uh, with that, we come into this part. But before we go any further, I just want us to make it clear that as tough as these words sound about divorce and committing adultery, that uh, wrongful divorce and remarriage is not unpardonable and not unforgivable. And uh, it should be clearly and unmistakably understood that wrongful divorce and remarriage, while it does in the eyes of God constitute adultery, if confessed as sin, uh, it will be forgiven and it will be forgotten, as will any other sin that is confessed as such. And uh, if you'll, uh, for a proof text for that, look at uh, John the eighth chapter, the second through the eleventh verses, where you see the woman who is caught in adultery. And after Jesus has uh, uh, looked around, he said, "Let him who is without sin." cast the first stone, and everybody just left. And uh, he said, woman, is there no one left to accuse you or to condemn you? And he and she said, no one, sir. And he said, then neither do I condemn you. But then look what he says. He says, now go and sin no more. He gives sinners new beginnings. He gives us fresh starts. And because of that, to say that God... Uh, cannot forgive the sin of divorce and remarriage is just wrong. The only sin that God uh, will not forgive is basically the sin of unbelief or the sin against the Holy Spirit. Divorcees are not second-class citizens, nor are they second-class church members. There's a place in the work of the Lord for those who have experienced the tragedy of divorce. Uh, it does bring about sorrow, though, doesn't it? 
All sin brings pain. Everyone loses when it comes to divorce, especially the children. There are no winners because every divorce is the result of sin, and that means there's going to be sorrow involved in some way. There's sorrow because of emotional pain that's associated with the divorce, or maybe even what brought it about that didn't get resolved. There's sorrow because of the financial hardships that result from divorce. There's sorrow that arises from such things as custody battles and child support and things of that nature. God knew what he was doing when he originally designed marriage to be one man with one woman for one lifetime. Sticking with God's design saves a lot of heartache and a lot of heartbreak. Let's face it. And Jesus uh, refers back to that first family that he created in the garden. And uh, as we uh, look at that this morning, and before we look at, at that any further, I'm reminded of a story uh, that I, you know, I used to think that we were all moving toward men and women being equal, and uh, they are equal. But I had to kind of recalibrate when I discovered that men are not the same and women are not the same. We are different, and God made us different for a reason. We complement each other, but uh, in our differences, you know, instead of celebrating our differences, sometimes we don't understand what's going on, and we wind up uh, being uh, rough on each other because of our differences. I mean, just take going shopping. Guys, when you're going shopping, you want to, you want to, you know what you're looking for, right? You want to, you go and you, you bag it, tag it, and you take it home, right? You know what you're looking for. When you find the right thing for the right price, you get it and you're gone. With women, shopping is the entire experience. You know, I, I remember, uh, we would, when I had, it took me a while to embrace this, you know, uh, because I think, okay. We need to go get Sharon a pair of shoes, okay? So we go into the store, and she gravitates over toward the children's dresses. And she says, oh, isn't this cute? And uh say, yeah, shoe department's over here, honey. And I would always, always try to, then she'd, then, anyway, it took me, and I'm sorry, sure, I did clear this with you. I apologize. I'm sorry. I said I'd never use her as an illustration without checking with her. I'm sorry. but So we'll just use a hypothetical woman from here on out. Okay. This is not Sharon we're talking about now. But anyway, with women, it is the entire experience. Uh, they And it is because men and women think differently. Women, th- I mean, men think linearly. Women think relationally. And uh, if you'll give, men, if you'll give your women enough time, they'll get to the shoe department and they'll look at all the shoes and they'll find their shoes, you know, but you just need to understand that they're going, that they're enjoying the entire experience and you're taking away from their joy if you're not allowing time for that. If you're always trying to nudge them back into what your way of thinking, it's forget about it, Okay. Uh, instead, if you got to go shopping, just set aside half a day. You know, 
Don't think you're going to get done in 30 minutes. Just set aside a half a day and then you're not saying, hey, we've got to go. You know, it won't happen. You know, just, just, just change your way of thinking. And so and this is so important because, you know, God brought us together and the differences we should celebrate and enjoy instead of trying to uh, being upset with each other because we're not seeing things exactly the same way. Differences. There's a story about Whenever, you know, when, in, in the scripture, it does say that at, at every point in creation, God said, it's good. It's good. And then he created Adam. And then the first thing that was not good, he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. The story goes that after God had created Eve, he woke Adam up and he presented Eve to Adam and he saw her and he was just awestruck. He said, God, she's so beautiful. Why'd you make her so beautiful? So you'd love her, Adam. And then he got up closer and he touched her hair and he smelled. He said, God, she smells so good. Why does she smell so good? So you'll love her, Adam. And then he touched her shoulder and he said, God, she's so soft. Why'd you make her so soft? And he said, so you would love her, Adam. And then he stepped back and Eve spoke. And he said, God, she's so dumb. Why did you make her so dumb? And he said, so she would love you, Adam. <laughs> there are differences between men and women. And uh, we need to be aware of those differences. and embrace them. He created us equal, but not the same. And uh, whenever you know, there's a, a, a passage, well, I ran across this this past week it's called the marriage box. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Most people get married believing a myth that marriage is a beautiful box full of all the things they have longed for, companionship, intimacy, friendship, etc. The truth is that marriage at the start is an empty box. You must put something in before you can take anything out. There is no love in marriage. Love is in people, and people put love in marriage. There is no romance in marriage. You have to infuse it into your marriage. A couple must learn the art and form, the habit of giving, loving, serving, praising, keeping the box full. If you take out more than you put in, the box will be empty. And that is so true. And uh, marriage takes work. Marriage takes effort. Just as being a disciple of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ takes work. And the thing is, is that he entrusts people to people. Just when he started the first family, he saw Adam needed a help me. And so he created them, male and female. It says he created them together. And so they, and it says that they're to become one flesh. They're to become a team. They're to work together. When people come into my study and they are, and their marriage is on the rocks, Many times it is so sad to me to see two people sit down 
And they will sit there and there will be a wall of ice between them. Two people that started out in love and so happy to be together somehow wind up with this chasm between them that it seems like can never be crossed. And the problem is both of them want something from the other person. And both of them know what that other person wants. And both of them have it within themselves, the ability to give that other person what the other person wants. But neither one of them is going to give first. Because if they give what they know that other person wants from them, then they're giving up their ace in the hole. They're giving up their trump card. They're giving up their way to control that other person to get what they want out of that other person. And so they sit there, two wonderful, beautiful people who at one point really cared about each other and they're in a standoff. And my job, whenever that happens, is to try to get them to just put all that emotional baggage aside and start handling things from a a totally different viewpoint. Because you see, like this says, like the marriage box says, many people go into marriage trying to get their needs met. And they try to make that other person or force that other person or manipulate that other person into giving them what they feel that they need. And that is never going to work. That's not God's way. God's way is not to get. I thought of this last night. Uh, God entrusts people to each other. And it's not that they, whenever you marry, they are not God's gift to you. You are supposed to be God's gift to them. And there's a big difference. It doesn't sound like it's much of a difference because it, whatever, it's just your perspective. If you're looking, okay, this person's been given by God and therefore they need to give me my needs, they need to meet my needs, that's one thing. But when you flip it around, and if you are God's child and you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then he is now, you've appropriated the cross for the forgiveness of your sin. You've started over and now you're living your life for him. You're living under his marching orders. And how you march into your marriage and in your relationships is very important as we've seen. And so he wants to use you to bless that other person in your marriage. Not for you to get from that other person. He wants to give to, see, he's wanting to give to each of you through the other one. And uh, many times whenever young couples come before me and they're standing there and they're about to get married, I, I make sure that they understand that as they are standing there before God, he is saying, Kim, this is Rick. He's a good old guy. And I really, really like him. And I want to bless him. And there are some ways that I can't bless him alone. I need some help. Will you help me to bless Rick? And in going through the marriage vows, you're saying, yes, I will. And then to Rick, he's saying, Rick, this is Kim. She's the apple of my eye. She's my precious, precious child. And I want her to have a wonderful life. But there's some things that she can't have 
that I can't give her just by myself. Will you help me to bless her? And so you see, he gives you to each other. And marriage should become a wonderful adventure where you explore each other. Find out what that other person needs from their point of view. And then to the best of your ability, provide that for them before they even ask. And if you do that, then your needs are going to be met and their needs are going to be met. And uh, this is laid out in Scripture in the Ephesians, the fifth chapter. And I'm just going to read the very end of the passage there. But in Ephesians 5, at the very end of the chapter, let's see if I can find it really quickly here. Uh, it says, Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his wife even as himself, and the wife will see to it that she respects her husband. This is uh, the beginning of the passage tells well, Christians, Submit yourselves or subject yourselves one to the other. And then he starts unpacking how we're supposed to do that. It doesn't start out, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. It starts out, all y'all. You didn't know how how, how Texan God was. All y'all, all y'all Christians, submit yourselves to each other. And it's not a matter of yowza, yowza, massa. Instead, it's a matter of in faith entrusting yourselves to each other. And this is what a husband and a wife are supposed to do when they come together, is have faith in that other person and put themselves in his hands and in her hands. It's scary because so many of us have walls that we put up. So many of us uh, have our guard up and we are afraid if we let our guard down, we'll be hurt. And yes, and that's why we have divorce. I have I don't know how many times I've sat with women who feared for their lives. I have uh, known women who had to escape from their houses because from through the window because their husband was trying to break in, was breaking into the room where they were to beat them, and they had to escape uh, to their husband. That marriage is already over. Let's face it. Uh, that's not a marriage anymore. And uh, so there are times when you don't tell Somebody stay in there. So, uh, and I'm not going to go into all the different details of that. But at the end of this passage, after Paul goes through different unpacking this in different ways, he comes to these two things. He tells husbands to love their wives, and one the, and it says, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her." And then it goes on and it talks about how he loved us even when we were unlovable and unlovely. What we're wanting to do, what guys, many times I've seen some guys use up three women and throw them away and get another one. Uh, get them and uh, just uh, you know, marry a woman and then browbeat her, try to force her to be the way that he wants her to be. And uh, then whenever he turns her into a, a hag or a shrew, uh, then he says she's not any fun anymore, discards her, and he's already found somebody else and saying, oh, you just really, you just really light up my life, you know, and so he goes from one to the other. Women do the same thing, and uh, we destroy each other and uh, destroy each other 
uh, emotionally and then just go get another one, destroy that one. That's not the way marriage is supposed to be. And if you're, if you go back and if you recall all the different things we've looked at through relationships coming up to this point, you see that there's work to be done and it's better to work through it with the one you got than to throw that one away and then start messing up another one. And uh, so, but that's what happens so many times. Um, anyway, going through this, husbands are commanded to love their wives. Wives are commanded to respect their husbands. Notice in this whole passage, women are never told and commanded to, re- to love their husbands. I think that's interesting. Uh, but men are commanded to love their wives. Women are commanded to respect their husbands. And the reason why it has been determined that a man's most important need, his deepest need, is to feel like he counts in this world. Like he's making a difference for the good in this world in some way. And the place that he needs that from the most is from his wife at home. And so uh, whenever your husband comes through the door and so after fighting dragons all day, he ought to hear something effective. You the man, you know, you the man. Something to that effect. You're not even exactly those words. Please don't go home and mock your husband like that. But uh, anyway, he needs to know that he counts, that he's okay in your eyes. He can handle a lot if he knows his wife respects him and holds him up and thinks he's cool. And if he doesn't get that at home and somebody else is giving it to him, then uh, and you're not, then you've got a problem. Now then. On the other hand, which is the thing is, so so God commanded women to respect their husbands. It's a matter of the will. You may say, well, he doesn't deserve my respect. Well, you know, as long as that's going on, you can, you can, what I'm trying to say is you can have faith. If you start showing faith in someone and saying, I believe that you have my best interest at heart, they'll generally live up to your expectations of them. That's what you're supposed to do, women. Now, men, on your behalf, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. A woman's deepest need, it's been determined, is that she needs to be able to share herself deeply. She longs to share herself deeply with those close to her. She can't do that in an environment where she's being hurt. She can't do that in an environment where uh, she's been treated like a child instead of a human being, instead of a grown-up. Men are supposed to be desiring the good for their wives and conveying that they really care about them. And that, and to, and in such a way that your wife will feel safe to let you know who she really is and share herself deeply with you, her hopes, her dreams, her aspirations. And see, whenever you're entrusted to each other, God entrusts you to each other to help each other become not the person that your spouse thinks you should be, but to become that person that God created you to be. And that person that God has entrusted to you, it's your assignment from him to help them become who they really are, not who you want them to be. Because the person that he created them to be is the most beautiful person ever. And that's the person that you should be helping them to become. Now then, it goes both ways. 
And what I'm saying is, is that this is God took the things that we needed the most and he commanded that we gave them, give them to each other. And if you both do that, if a woman is getting love and, and encouragement and, uh, and is being treated as an equal and a partner and a team member, if she's getting that, and if he knows that he will even, if she knows that he will even die for her, she can't help but show him respect. But it's hard to love someone who's being mean to you. It's hard to love someone who's not showing you any consideration. So do you see, from God's point of view, what you're supposed to be doing? Explore that other person. Find out what's important to them and give it to them. And if both of you do that, see, that's God's ideal. That's the adventure of marriage. That's an adventure of love. And it's a wonderful adventure to be on. In May 2011, a young woman took cover in a bathtub during a tornado that devastated the city of Joplin, Missouri. Her husband covered her body with his and took the blows from flying debris. He died and she survived because of his sacrificial love for her. Naturally, she wrestles with the question, why? But a year after the tornado, she said that she finds comfort because even on her worst day ever, she knew she was loved. She knew she was loved. Men, our responsibility is to make sure that our wives know that they are loved. Just as Jesus has made it clear to us that we are all loved. So much so that he died for us. Women, sometimes it's hard just to take a deep breath and respect that husband of yours, I know. But if you will give him the encouragement and the faith that he needs, you'd be surprised how quickly he will rise to the occasion. He's entrusted us to each other. Not only has he entrusted husbands and wives to each other, he entrusts children to moms and dads. And he says, hey, I'm entrusting a little human being into your care. And it's your job now to help this little person, just like Jimmy back there, to be the uh, person that uh, he has been created to be by me. Not who you want him to be, but to be who I have created him to be. And so I encourage all of you, if you have children or grandchildren, explore your children. Find out who they really are and help them to become the person that God has created them to be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for each other. We thank you that you have, uh, in your love, in your wisdom, entrusted us to each other. And it just boggles our minds that you would put enough faith in us to entrust another human being's welfare and life into our hands. And we know that the task that's before us in the relationships that you give us are bigger than we can handle on our own. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be the people that you created us to be so that we can be the people that the people around us need. 
In Jesus' name, amen.